Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. We've made it to episode 200. I just want to thank everyone before we get started here uh, for, you know, if you're just starting following along, I appreciate you listening. For those of you that have been here all the way from episode number one, I greatly appreciate it. It's incredible to think that uh, we've come this far and uh, I'm, I'm excited to get to tell this, well, for you to listen to this story of uh, our recent Colorado mule deer and elk hunt, uh, do-it-yourself hunt in Colorado. Myself, my cousin, Mason Martonic, Michael Paladino, and Justin Mueller, who filmed the hunt. Uh, we recorded this in our hotel room in uh, Colorado here just uh, over the weekend. And uh, we talk about how this hunt didn't exactly go as it planned, but still resulted in an opening day mule deer buck tag that was filled, a trip to the ER with some severe altitude sickness, adapting to a completely new area based off of restrictions that came from the, the altitude sickness, and just overall lessons learned with a hunt of this magnitude so i'll spare you the rest of the details and let you just listen to us babble on at the end of our hunt here um the video version of this is going to be up on youtube the podcast and the the video version taking a little bit longer i don't know if they'll be up at a normal 4 a.m time slot here i'm having some computer issues tonight i'm trying to get this stuff going but either way it'll be up here shortly so uh check on that we got the like i said video version on youtube and the audio version as you're listening to now anywhere that you can find them so um this episode is brought to you and presented by spartan forge spartan forge outfitter utilizes years of military background and machine learning to pull from millions of data points to accurately predict your movement including gps data 30 years of weather, academic, and state research. The new app, which is launching this week on September the 15th, so that'll be tomorrow, um, is, uh, it's, it's going to be, I started leaking some stuff on social media with it, but it's going to be more than just a deer prediction app. It will include GPS mapping that uh, has some really incredible aerial imagery with a lot of the the U.S. being leaf-off imagery that a lot of people have been been looking for. And some of the areas that have not, you'll be able to get that at a later date. But the details of that aren't, aren't uh, crystal clear exactly yet. Um, the offline dependability of this app is incredible. Um, again, you have the deer prediction model that is uh, the foundation of it in there. Weather updates, historical weather um, journal entries and a lot more that is associated with this app as, uh, as it launches, there'll be a lot of things to come going forward, um, with it. And there's just, there's so many more improvements and, and things I'm excited 
to work with Spartan Forge as a small company, being able to have the ability to make changes with them immediately. That is tough to get with some large companies. Um, I'm just really excited to, to see how this all unfolds, I guess. And, um, but if you're listening to this, the day it goes out, your last chance to get the, the lower price point. So basically if you get it before September the 15th, you're getting the app for like $16 a year. And then every year after that, you won't get the 25% off or 20% off code of mine. Um, so it'll be like $20 a year, but you're locked into that rate for life. It's, it's going to jump up. It's going to be probably significantly more than that. Still not as much as some others, but, uh, it's, it's going to be more than $20 a year, um, for that, but you can get that for $16 a year right now. If you use the coupon code East meets West, if you head over to SpartanForge.ai and just do the online account now. And then once the app releases, you can get in the app store, log in with the stuff that you created the account with, and you'll be good to go. I think you'll be really impressed with this and for the for the price it's pretty difficult not to to give it a shot and trust me here but there's there's a lot more to come even that I'm discussing here I'll have to get Bill back on the podcast to talk more about that and why it's actual stuff that's uh is going to be very helpful to deer hunters and just hunters um alike all right, so Tethered. Tethered is a company that's founded on the principles of educating the hunting community on saddle hunting while creating the most innovative, lightweight, safe products for saddle hunting. They have mobile hunting gear options for all types of hunters and continue to push the envelope. Uh, I'll be using, once again, the Phantom Saddle System and the Predator platform for all my mobile hunts coming up this year. So to learn more about Tethered and saddle hunting, head over to tetherednation.com. Maven is building the highest quality optics at half of the price of their competitors through their direct consumer business model. They want to create the best optics for the job, period. The products are back with a lifetime no-fault warranty and an incredible customer experience. I use the B2 9x45s on my the Western hunt that I just did here, and I've used it on all of my hunts since 2017 out west. They're, it's really a low light monster, allowing you to see through the binos longer than you can with your naked eye. You can use the coupon code EastMeetsWest-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order at mavenbuilt.com. And last but not least, Go Wild. Go Wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters. You can put whatever you want on there as far as it's not controlled by big tech social media platform you can join me on go wild um, you can download at gowild.com um, the app store to get 10 bucks to spend on gear just for setting up your account you'll keep unlocking go wild rewards and now you can see all my complete gear setups there's still a few things i need to have added to it yet oh there's there's still some updates that need to be done to my gear setup but either way anything you find on their store and you use the coupon code East Meets West, you save 10% off of all the hunting gear on the website. And some of it even redirects you, um, but 10% off by doing that. So check that out, the Go Wild app. All right. 
So with all that being said, uh, we'll restart Mountain Buck Mondays next week and might even have a little bit um, a little bit of a twist to uh, Mountain Buck Mondays and maybe even have its own episode, an extra episode during the during the hunting season here to kind of try it out doing two episodes during the week. Um, the Mountain Buck Monday ones would be shorter, you know, you're anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes going into a specific topic. And uh, I think it's going to be pretty cool. I'll, I'll have more on that when, when those come out and you'll see those release. But uh, as if I didn't need any more, any more else uh, stuff going on. But anyways, I'm just trying to, trying to recover here from, um, being sick, going into the hunt and then having the altitude sickness and then being sick again, coming out of it, been tested for COVID about 15 times now. I just can't seem to, uh, to get my immune system back on track. So I'm gonna try to rest up here and get ready for deer season to come in Pennsylvania shortly, get out, check some cameras this weekend. Haven't been in the whitetail woods in over a month. Just, uh, looking forward to switching some gears here. So anyways, hope you enjoy this episode and thank you again so much for, for listening to this. If you do enjoy it, wherever you listen to it, if it's Apple, um, or whatever, please, uh, give a five-star rating if you enjoy it and, uh, write a review, share it. All that stuff helps out so much with the podcast and have it to be able to reach other people. So thank you again and, uh, enjoy the rest of your week. We're live. What's going on, guys? Hey, what's up? What's going on? Finally made it back to the hotel. In testing you. Can't say where we're at. Why? Because you don't want anybody to know where we're at. We have a video going. No, they can't know where we're at, what town. I didn't say what town. That was the test. That was the test. <laughs> I, you, you passed. <laughs> oh, you passed. Jeez. jeez. Wow. Drink. I thought I was getting in trouble. Justin, ha- Justin had a couple of drinks, and now he's already forgetting oh, what's going Celtsies. on here. The Celtsies. <laughs> yeah, well, we're live in a hotel somewhere in Colorado and uh, just getting ready to head back from our hunt. It's uh, It's been an eventful. How many days have we been out here? I guess it'll be two weeks, a couple days. Yeah, like uh, eleven days, eleven or twelve days of actually doing stuff out here, not travel. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. It 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 um was a weird one, but it also felt like it went, flew by at the same time as they they went always by way too fast. Yeah, yeah, Mason's Mason's over here. He's been just cruising for a while, but <laughs> no, um. Yeah, just uh, want to do a little recap here of our Colorado mule deer slash elk hunt and kind of go through it. So we came out, I guess it was four days before the season opened to acclimate <laughs> and uh, get ready and do some scouting and stuff, which, uh, yeah. Acclimate's a funny word. Yeah, acclimate's a funny word because like I, I kind of preached it based off of some of your past experiences michael um how important it is and everything and uh it obviously is but it didn't uh didn't really help out for me so talk how how did your process go michael as far as getting feeling when you came out here and everything so this year i definitely took it pretty serious just because it was the first time back in the true high country if you heard any podcasts with bo or I didn't do so well in the altitude in previous years. Um, definitely nursed it in previous hunts. Uh, 
So this year I, I took it pretty serious as far as working out and trying to be ready for it and did a lot of research. Um, went to the doctor as I always do. He kind of gave me the thumbs up, gave me a prescription for Diamox. Uh, so I tried to fit the letter of the law there and uh, took the Diamox as prescripted. And then for every 4,000 feet elevation gain, we're supposed to take a day of acclimating. Um, really try to keep an eye on my heart rate this year. Really try to keep an eye on my blood oxygen. And when we felt good, it was time to hike. And everything for me this year worked really well. I was, I was very happy with how it worked for me, yeah. which is the first time I felt good. Yeah, we stayed in Airbnb for two days at elevation ahead of time. And then kind of like during the day, we would travel up and then come back down to sleep, which is what you know you're supposed to do for it. And yeah, you seem to be kind of going off without a hitch. Yeah, so sleeping is a big thing. They definitely want you sleeping below an elevation level that allows you to get prepared to your, for your hunt. You can be at elevation throughout the day. There's some things to say in, about that exactly, but uh, scout high, hunt high, sleep low. It's kind of a good rule of thumb. Take your elevations where you want. Uh, good rule of thumb is a 4,000 to 1 type of rule for sleeping specifically. Um, but I, I hiked in and I, I felt really good this year and I had no complaints and, and I felt like as a crew here, we all really took it serious this year. We had a group chat together. We had group Snapchats together. We had like just keeping everybody in the game, keeping tabs on everybody. Like if Mason fell off the radar for two or three days, I'd call up and do a welfare check on him. <laughs> yeah. And yo, and then I'd report back to the group yeah. Masons well. Just to make sure no one's slacking. Yep, That's just right. make sure no one's slacking. We kept each other really in tab this year. And I felt like we really kicked butt this summer. Like didn't drink a lot of beers, took it pretty serious. Yeah. Um, Every Shot morning we were working out. We, that's why we, we created an entire group on Snapchat that we would send uh, a picture of showing that we were either Proof. in the gym, on a pack workout, or doing something to be able to w more or so guilt the other ones that aren't doing something. <laughs> the guilt is a big word. That we, yeah. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> All of us. Hey, you got to pay your dues. Everyone else is. That's yeah. right. So, not even drug buddies in. Cause I could, I hate living by myself. So when one buddy's a school teacher, I'm like, dude, you, his name's Graham as a Graham. You gotta come to the gym with me in the morning, like get a membership. I can't do this by myself. I need like team morale. So that like little bit of a boost, having the group chats, having the Snapchats, having your buddies to help you. It keeps you honest. Yeah, that's that's for sure. It definitely kept us honest, and I didn't want to sleep in because I didn't want to be the guy that wasn't reporting in. And and plus, Mason and I go to the same gym in the morning, so if he didn't see me or I didn't see him, we were the first to get on each other about it. And we work together, so that makes it even better. But you would be, I'd be funny. It'd be like a Snapchat of somebody running down the road. I'm like, okay, he's on board today. Yep. Yeah. So we all went into it like. Feeling. We took it serious. Yeah, really good. And um, yeah, you seemed to do it pretty well. Mason, you had a few headaches, but nothing major, right, when you were going into it? Yep. Justin, you didn't seem to have any no. issues. Yeah, I was good. No issues. And, the juice. Uh, mm -hmm. I went, I, so um, to kind of get started here with it, I, I went, I got really sick 
not not really sick. Like I wasn't dying or anything, but I had a the pretty man bad man flu like a week before, <laughs> and I think I was just run down from stress and and low amount of sleep, trying to get ready for the hunt and get everything ready for my business, and and I just like was just ran myself dry, and so going into the hunt, I wasn't fully there. I had uh, I had bit by a tick. I I don't know if I had Lyme disease again or not. I have no idea. This is just all assumption. But something uh, my immune system wasn't doing great. But I still felt pretty good going into it, and didn't think I was going to have any issues. And I was just struggling, even when we weren't doing any activity. I was wasn't feeling well. And the big thing I like to keep an eye on is your heart rate. I mean, yeah. your resting heart rate your entire day, your entire time in Pennsylvania is low, is high 50s, low 60s. You come to Colorado and you aren't doing anything, regardless of your elevation, your heart rate should not be 130 beats a minute, 110 beats a minute. Yeah. And when I was like, man, I was like, eh. But you hiked fine, you looked fine, you sounded fine. It's like, it's a fluke. Yeah. But I definitely think an immune system, having that the way you came in, it, it hurts you. So we went into, we were going to pack in on Tuesday. The season opened on Thursday. So we started packing in and, and I was like, oh, we'll just take it slow and mm-hmm. steady. And, and you guys let me lead cause I was struggling. So I was trying to you know go slower. And then I just was like, I'm having struggle and moving at all. So Michael and Mason were like, Hey, we're going to go ahead of you, um, get to our spot so we can glass for the evening. I'm like, yeah, go ahead. I'll meet up with you guys at camp. And then I just couldn't, I couldn't get there. I got like, was a little over three miles in and just couldn't go any further. And I said, Justin, we got to set up camp. Like, I can't do this. Got camp set up and I was struggling just doing anything. And in an epic spot though. Yeah. You definitely pulled over in a good spot. Yeah. I definitely pulled off the trail in a good spot. I could glass and everything from there. And I just kept keeping an eye on, on my watch, which I'm running a Garmin. Michael, what do you have? Oh, uh, this is a chorus. I think it's the Vertex. Okay. Uh, they're more of a running, marathon running, mountaineering watch company. And I'm super impressed with this watch. Like, yeah. Super impressed. And and both of ours check our, our pulse oxygen levels, which is important to pay attention to, and heart rate. And my heart rate was w- wouldn't go below 100, mm. no matter what. And then I'm like, am I creating anxiety from looking at this? Is that Was that why it's going up? And then I kept just chalking it off to like, I'm just creating my own anxiety i kept getting my own head like i am doing this to myself and then that night i was like justin we gotta leave camp and go down like i'm not feeling well so went down drove to a a town that was like lower elevation and stayed there i still wasn't feeling good the next day i got a whole bunch of vitamins and food that's supposed to help with it and everything and and I was taking Diamox too. So, so I do have to say one thing, Ryan back. You can't live off this and this isn't the end all be all. Correct. This yeah. is a really big, important note here. These, the way these things take your blood oxygen and your pulse is off your skin and your, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know exactly, but it takes it based off the pigmentation to color your skin and how it's reacting. Like, I guess the more you work out, the brighter i guess your skin is it actually doesn't take your true pulse ox like or your blood oxygen like you normally would but it's a really good relationship so it's these are very good tool but has to be used as a tool plus or minus four is what they say they can give these as far as how that works the finger so i do have a finger pinch one yeah and i didn't like the finger pinch one when i was in idaho do you remember how that finger pinch one and once your finger got dirty it didn't really work it literally was 
it was pain and it, I had trouble with it. So this one I felt was pretty consistent, but this is a tool and you have to listen to your body. You can't listen to the watch. Your body tells you way ahead of time before a watch does. So yeah. this is a tool. Yep. You're exactly right. So when I came down and then I realized that you had all of the medication <laughs> too. So I didn't even have any more Diamox to take, but I was taking some of the, the mountain ops altitude stuff that they had and which is basically a bunch of herbal stuff that helps out with it. There was some in your truck. Yeah. The Diamox. Was it really? Yeah. I didn't even know. I know. That. I I found it when I got back to the truck, the wow. trailhead. Yeah. Sorry well, about that. I appreciate it. No. Well, anyways, I still wasn't feeling good overall. Like I just was like down and groggy and I couldn't get my energy levels back. So I spent a little over a day down low and I said, Justin, let's try to hike in again. Um, it was opening day at this point and start hiking in. I was struggling worse than I was with less weight. I didn't even have my full camp on my back cause I was already in and it took us five hours to make it that three and something miles. I'm like, this isn't good. And I just kept thinking in my head, I'm like, it's me. I got to just man up and do it. And then once I got there and I couldn't figure out how to make dinner, like I was just like not functioning right. Justin's talking to me. I'm not really hearing him. And I'm just like, he's asked me if I'm okay. And I'm not really sure. I just kept going. And anyways, I cooked dinner and I was, I couldn't even eat it. Like I was just struggling. I'm trying to force myself. I made Heather's Choice sockeye salmon chowder, which is my absolute favorite meal. So for me not to be able to eat the whole thing, I was, I was struggling and I said, I'm going to take a nap. And I went into the tent, like what? Five 30 in the afternoon. Yeah. And I woke up at six, like gagging. And I, I looked at my, I heard, I just looked at my watch and did the pulse oxygen. And I was reading 79, which, uh, you're, you're supposed to be above 95, right? That's normal oxygen. And then in the nineties, you're fine. Um, and that, that's in the seventies is where you can have problem with if you were there for a period of time with brain swelling and lung problems and, um, permanent damage zone, the permanent damage zone. Yeah. So I was like, man, I got, I got to go down. I got to go. So just took the lightest stuff that we really could and headed off the mountain, went back, got another hotel. Oh no, I went right to the ER at that yeah, point. You did. Yep. So, so there's a good note there, what you were saying about the brain fog. This is something that I don't think a lot of people understand. And it's something that's very important with altitude sickness Shortness of breath, um, uh, no energy. Those are pretty common signs. Uh, lack of appetite, stomach aches, you know, throwing up, stuff like that. That's all associated. But the brain fog is when it gets bad. Once you really get that brain fog, and it's so hard to explain, and I've said this before on different podcasts, the brain fog is something that is unmatched. I've never felt the brain fog. So when I'm trying to explain to somebody what the brain fog is like, and then Bo has the same thing, like setting up your cook setup, and getting your cook set up, set up to then eat your food and you don't know what you're doing. That's something so elementary that when you're in that position, that's how you get back. That's how it gets bad. If you're by yourself or you're with somebody that doesn't hundred percent know what to look for and you're in a position like this and you just don't realize, Hey, this is something really bad. This is something that could be potentially dangerous to me. And the brain fog just says, I can figure this out and you just put it off when you're not thinking straight, low, low blood oxygen is extremely detrimental to your brain, to your lungs. I mean, it's to your body. But when you don't have oxygen to your, your lungs, to your heart, to your, your, to your heart, to your brain, you don't make good conscious decisions. You have a hard time making good decisions. And that could make you stay on a mountain longer than you should. And it could 
I mean, people die from it. Yeah. That's the truth. People die from it. And now that's super and it's dramatic, se- and but it's it seems, not. And it seems so weird. Like when you're sitting there on the ground with everything to cook your dinner and you can't figure out how yeah. to put it all together. And I looked at Justin. I'm like, I don't what, what's going on. He's like, you're white as a ghost. He's like, you I said my lips purple. Cause I know that's bad. He's like, no, they're not purple yet, but they're not. Everything's not looking good. Mine was building a tent, building, setting up a tent. I don't know if you remember, but I'm trying to set this tent up. And it was like I was trying to, you know, do some crazy arithmetic. Like, putting a tent up to me was just, I was beside myself. I'm like, yeah. why can't I figure out how to put this thing in tent up? And that's when I realized, I was like, man, this isn't good. And when I went to the ER, uh, the doctor, they ran, ton of, first of all, they thought I had COVID. And so they ran they had me on lockdown in this room and they're running all these tests and they're taking x-ray scans of my lungs and trying to check all that stuff out. And they had an IV hooked into me and everything was coming back good. So I wasn't at the stage Michael was at before where pulmonary, pulmonary edema. I didn't have any fluid in my lungs, which is good. That means mm-hmm. I caught it early enough that that didn't happen. But the, so he, he basically chalked it up. He's like, you have, he's like, I'm not sure that exactly what caused it, but he goes, we see this all the time where people can be at elevation their whole life, leave and come back and have a lot of problems with it. So it can happen to anybody. And that's not to say that you should be scared to go into the high country. It's just being able to recognize those signs and know when to come down. And it, it yeah, it was a freaking humongous bummer to have to have to do that. Two things fix it, time and drop in elevation. Yep. If you get yourself lower in elevation, in time, you're fine. Now, when you're on a hunt and it's a seven-day hunt, you don't have time. No. So, that's what people push, and that's when bad things happen. Yep. You have to tell yourself, I have a seven-day hunt. Okay, well, you got to prepare in a certain way, but you can't let it get to you. That's the thing. If you have a seven-day hunt and you're sick for four days, hunt for three, figure it out, and know for next year. Just don't push it. Yeah. Definitely. So before I go into the rest of the whole altitude boring stuff here, let's jump over to to talk to Mason and Michael and kind of let's talk, start with you, Mason. Start with like when you guys went into scout, what you were kind of dealing with and what you saw. Uh, the first night we got to camp, we uh, we were pretty beat, but we headed up over the long hike in. Yeah, we headed up over the saddle to start doing some glass and kind of just see what's in the area for the next couple of days and hopefully find a couple target bucks before the season started and we got up there and we started finding bucks pretty much right away i think michael found the first buck and then we found a few more and mason uh, spots six seven or eight deer to my one so when i got the first one i was like yes this is what i needed (laughs) (laughs) like this is what i needed to do because he's really good behind the glass very (laughs) very diligent that and we, we were dealing with some pretty bad weather Monsoon. So it's nothing like getting into your hunting spot, setting up camp, and being wet start to finish on this hunt. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we were finding some bucks, and uh, it's, a, it's a unit I've been looking at for a lot of years and really looking forward to, but we weren't finding the quality of bucks that I, that I was really hoping for. But we were still finding some good bucks that I was, I'd be happy to shoot, Michael would be happy yeah. to shoot. So we were really looking forward to seeing what was going to happen the next couple of days. And with the season coming up on Thursday, we're at Tuesday now. Uh, going into Wednesday, a lot more bad weather. Seen some of the same bucks, a couple new ones. Yeah, I think Colorado got the the, the back end of a of a uh, hurricane storm, and I think across Colorado, if you hunted Colorado, you probably got a lot of rain on Wednesday. Yeah, and we got a lot of rain on Wednesday, 
We yeah, they were, were calling soaked. for mudslides and everything else. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can see blood it. warnings. Yeah, yeah, and then um, so were you guys in your tents most of the day Wednesday, or did you try to stick it out? I'll let you talk about Wednesday. So Wednesday we glassed early in the morning, and Mason is pretty. Uh, he likes to see a lot of country in a short period of time. So we're in three different basins. <laughs> over a big mountain range, over the next big mountain range. And I owed Mason a hunt that after New Mexico, I was like, I owe him a hunt. This literally, I have to, I can't be a bitch about this. If he says he wants to go over there, I might complain a little bit, but I got to say yes, because I, I, I owe him a hunt. And and I I don't I never felt like Michael owed me a hunt, but what he's, oh, re- sure. what he's referring to is him and I went to the high country, New Mexico for a hunt and opening day. That's when he got pulmonary edema and we had to pull the plug. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, two-week hunt got shortened by, you know, 10 days. So Mason's like, let's go over here. I was like, okay, it's pouring down rain. We're soaked to the bone. We go over there. We glass, no elk, no deer. And hold, hold on a second. These guys have rain gear, but they wait until they're completely soaked to put it on. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> let's put it let's start off that. And not rain gear. We have good gear. I don't know what goes through our head. No rain, no uh, rain fly on our pack. So we're hiking. <laughs> it was heavy rain. It was too. heavy rain. Fog was ridiculous. So we yeah. head over to a spot and we're glassing for a while. Mason's like, hey, you want to go up over this? I'm like, I guess I'll go up over there. He's like, you sure? I'm like, yep, we'll go up over there. <laughs> so we get up there. It's a wind tunnel. Just ripping across the top of this thing. We were getting pelted. We're glassing. Didn't see anything. And we're like, we should probably head down now. So we head down. Yeah, so we, we ended up in our tents for the majority of Wednesday after that. So maybe at, on. Yeah, around lunchtime on. Yeah. We were in our tents just getting soggy. Yeah, getting getting nice. We were already nice and soggy, dealing some trench foot. If anybody <laughs> tells you a down sleeping bag in wet conditions is not ideal, I can agree with that 100%. I had a down sleeping bag that was virtually a piece of paper laying over top of me, and that's all it was. Yeah, and it was, and like like Bo said, it we was were, fine though. We, we were pretty it. stupid, and we waited way too long to put our rain gear on. And I, I never put my rain pants on. And I remember my cousin Bo telling me about the rewarming drill: how you just get in your sleeping bag and cook yourself dry. <laughs> and I, I think that works, but we were was, too wet. <laughs> yeah. So then I was dealing with a wet sleeping bag all day Wednesday and Wednesday night. <laughs> it's just a shit show. Yeah. So <laughs> we took our wet clothes and made everything that was dry. Soaking wet, <laughs> and it got to like thirty-four degrees. You should but also wring out your gear before you get in. That <laughs> <laughs> nah, oh, we were wet, but it was fine. We, it was we knew season was coming up, and Thursday looked not better. It rained all day Thursday, but Friday looked sunny, so we were like, we can tough it out. Yeah, so that's what we were hoping for. And then Thursday morning, what was it like from the the hunting pressure scenario, weather, finding bucks, all of that? So, uh, the night before the opener, we, we saw some guys move into the basin below. So we were camping in one basin and then we climbed up over a saddle to look into some other basins and below our camp, we saw where there's some guys moved in on, not moved in on us, but moved into the same area, probably having a pretty similar plan as us. So knowing that we wanted to get a jump on them. So we woke up extra early opening morning. We climbed up over the saddle. We talked to him too. And I, yeah. I, it's like me, I just want to tell him, it's public land. You can do what you want. We're going to hunt in this very specific spot. This is where we're going to be looking. 
we're not locking it down by any means, but this is our game plan. So the Nay understood, like, hey, this is where these guys are going to be. And there is so much room up there. It's unreal how much room there is. There's tons of room. And they're pretty cool about it. And then, so th- go ahead, about Thursday then. Yeah, we, we just, we set up in our spot where we were looking. We had a good master view of the basin. And uh, it got light, and we were looking at all the bucks that we scouted the last couple of days. And pretty much before we got to make any plays on them, all the, all the bucks were already getting stalked on and bumped around those guys flanked us i mean they went to our left they went to our right and they went up high and they were not fair hunters yeah i don't i mean in in colorado what he's referring to in in colorado you're not allowed to use uh cell phones or radios to guide each other into deer and that's that's what these guys were doing so they were they set up all around this this big base and they were guiding each other into into deer so they but, but one that, guy glassing and they had just runners and the guy glassing would just tell his runner these guys didn't see the deer they'd literally be hiking down the valley stop i'd watch them through my i'm watching them through my spot and scope stop turn left and go i'm like that's ridiculous yeah like, you don't make that type of move you know so i was like what's going on mason's like then he came back and told me, I was like, I knew it. I'm watching to make crazy moves out there that I would never make. They're from California. No. <laughs> what what do we call them? The ones that listen to Joe Rogan and the decided Rogan they were going to become hunters. Yeah, which stuck, sucks because I really like listening to Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were embarrassed to tell us that they were from California. But, uh, yeah, but we uh, we tried to make a play on, on one buck first thing in the morning. And then uh, as, soon as, I, as soon as I left... Michael, we had a yellow flag to signal each other when the the buck was blown out. And as soon as I left, the, the buck was blown out by another hunter. And I still made the mile, mile plus stock to get above the buck. And I glassed back at Michael and he had the yellow flag up, which was up as soon as I left him. He was 200 <laughs> yards away from me. I'm like whistling, trying to be calm about this, but like try to catch his attention. And I see him glassing the buck that's bedded. I'm like, look up the hill, please. You can see a guy. Like, this is blown. Yeah. I'm like, look back. All of a sudden, I see Mason going way across the top. <laughs> I'm like, he didn't turn back. So <laughs> that's that all right, perfect. though. We we got we uh got back together after I saw the yellow flag and we had a little powwow and it's like, hey, it's it's public land. There's gonna be pressure up here. We're gonna have to deal with it. There's there's plenty of bucks up here. We'll we'll make it happen. We have lots of time. And uh, I'd say maybe an hour later, we we found a buck for you to going to stock yeah mason's like we're back in the game got me all pumped up we saw the buck that i speci- that i found the first morning he was good four by four he's a nice buck he's in a good spot killable spot i thought very highly of the stock it's something that i was pretty pretty certain we were going to be able to do cross paths with one guy from california i was like i'm going to stock the buck he goes me too and i was like you know what's the plan he's like you go ahead he goes i'm i'm a little overwhelmed go ahead so we had that conversation before we went over there. He was going to stalk the same buck I was. And first off, he's already blown this deer out now twice. This deer, I'm the third person to stalk it by 11 o'clock in the afternoon. And maybe even earlier. In the morning. Yeah, in the morning. Sorry. <laughs> and it might have been, I might have been, th- it might even be before 11 o'clock. But so this deer is pressured, but I had a super cool but stalk. But the game plan for the stalk was really cool. I, I don't know if I'm tell. exaggerating it or, or underselling it, but it is, let's say there's a, an 80 foot drop off on the shelf and it's kind of just feeding around right, right at the bottom. And there's, there's one step in the cliffs where Michael's 
I was like, Michael, I don't know how you can do it, but if you can get down on that step, I think you will be in range to be able to get a shot at this buck. So he heads over there, and you can talk about what you saw once you started climbing down in. So when I climbed, was climbing down in, there's actually like a two-tiered straight wall. It was just a big rock cliff, and there's a little little wash area and I don't really want to call it a wash area it's a little depressed area and there's some willows in there and if I could get down the first level I could be on a level where it's like a 40 foot drop yeah so you cut that cliff from 80 feet to 40 feet by climbing down to this spot and then getting down in there and then if I hugged the rock wall I could come around and I would have had a perfect shot what appeared to be a perfect shot from where we were down onto the bucks and it it just was mapped out to be a good stock the wind was perfect the wind was blowing across them to me Everything was set up to be perfect. It was just wet and foggy, and how can I get down there? Those were the only three things that really mattered to me. I had plenty of time. I had plenty of energy, and uh, I got down this super steep area. I was scaling down through these rocks, and it was pretty pretty cool. And Mason can talk about just watching it happen, but I finally got down to this level, and I glass. I can't find the bucks. I'm looking back and forth. I don't know where these deer are. I can't figure out where these stinking deer are. I'm like, they should be right in front of me. And I'm glass up to Mason, and I see him with his bow doing one of these. So I'm like, well, they're to my right. So I was like, man, I really didn't want to go over there. Like, that's the last place I want to go right now on this stock. This is yeah, not where I want to be. And at this point, I cannot watch Michael through this. And I'm almost completely helpless watching. And I'm watching him. I can tell he's pretty nervous about what he's climbing through. Because there's a little bit of danger to this stock. And... Mm-hmm. I can tell he's a little bit hesitant about how far he should go, and I just keep waving him forward, like, come, come on, man. Let's, <laughs> you got it. Let's get it. Go for it. <laughs> so I, I keep waving him forward, and he's, I can tell he's like, holy crap. I, so he, he kept, he was a trooper. He kept pushing through, looking for different routes. He came to a couple dead ends, but you ended up finding a route that brought you right above the buck, and it was cooler than any stock I've ever seen on any hunting video, YouTube video, any magazine picture. It was, it was epic. It was set up to be Talk about how you carried your bow. So I have to go across a six-inch rock shelf with a 40-foot drop and a 40-foot up. <laughs> so I have a six-inch shelf to walk across. And I'm like, so I've done, I, I roofed for a while. And when you roof, you kind of get a good idea on your balance. And it, it's a different mentality, but it's definitely 40-foot. It's, you know, you see this. It's not something that's that you don't see. Like the first roof you did with me, that was probably higher drop so i'm thinking about this stuff i'm like okay i've done worse but this is somewhat dangerous but it's definitely safe if i make it a safe way so i'm looking at it i was like i got good footing i can go across so i took my gloves off because i couldn't carry my bow anymore so i took my gloves off put them around the stabilizer bit the stabilizer with my mouth and carried the bow in my mouth as I used both hands to <laughs> rock Yeah, that climb. sounds pretty safe. <laughs> Super safe. Rock climb across this rock on a six-inch shelf. I'm like shimmy in it. I was like, I need both hands. And at I this point, I'm just like, yes, you're almost there. <laughs> like, keep going, keep going. Yep. So I'm like, I'm shimmying across this rock and this bow's like a nine-pound bow. So I'm holding it in my mouth. I get out there. And as soon as I come around the corner, I could see the top. I could see the tops of all the deer's antlers. I'm like, that is not good. And I kick a rock, and then I just see him take off. I'm like, oh, I was two steps away from literally being there. But I couldn't help it. The, the rock cliff I was going across, I was kicking a rock. If I kicked yeah. a rock, that, that was that's what it was. And I knew that. And when I came out on this pier it was just like a perfect rock pier 
I stood on top of it, and that deer is 60 yards. I was like, oh, that would have been so sweet. But that's ha- it happened, and I snuck back around and got up on top and came back and met Mason. This, everything was safe, and, and um, watched the deer. And that guy from California went and put a fourth stock on that deer by noon. So that deer pushed hard. Yeah. But it was cool. Yeah, so at this point, we're like, hey, we just... We gotta get. We gotta go further. We gotta look in a different base and get away from mm-hmm. some of this pressure. Further away, Mason. Yeah, let's go up over this hill. <laughs> further from camp, so we go up over that hill. And you can tell this part because this is I was being a bitch by now. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> we, so we we go and we start peeking into the next base and over. And again, another wicked storm rolls in. And we're just getting pelted with rain and and pretty high winds. And we did have rain gear on Bo. Good. Yeah, we did have rain gear on at this point. Uh, our feet were still pretty sloshy with all the water in our boots, but the rest of us wasn't too bad at this point. And uh, we we climbed up on another peak and we're looking into this base. And then not, I didn't have a ton of confidence, but I I know that. You're not gonna. It looks find, good. Yeah, you're not gonna find them if you're not looking. I, I had confidence there's deer there, but I didn't have confidence that we'd see them because how they're they're probably hunkered down. And it was foggy and it was raining. Yeah, but but sure, sure enough, we just kept glassing through the the rain and the wind, and we we picked a couple bucks up coming out of coming out of some uh, rock shelves. And so I cliffs. gotta preface this: I'm standing up like the wind's blowing across my back, and I have my hands in my pockets, standing like this, and Mason's sitting down glassing, barehanded through his binoculars as intent as you could be his fingers were purple i'm swearing like he is that cold and i'm just standing like this he goes i found three bucks i was like no you didn't he goes yeah i did I pull up sure enough three bucks he goes you want to go stalk him i was like dude i did nothing i literally did no effort on these deer i can't go stalk these deer i have no part in this i was standing here with my hands in my pocket <laughs> so i couldn't take any credit for it so go ahead yeah so i we were, just, we were looking at him and it's like, well, we, we can probably make a pretty easy stock out of this. If they're sitting down in that, there's a, a little dip in the rock shelf. So it, I was like, you probably walk straight up to him, pop over that little dip and just, just plink one. So that was kind of my game plan. I kind of talked, pumped myself up to go on the stock. And as I'm going over there, I'm like, they climbed up on a little rise and I re- quickly realized this stock wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, we did I, have a backup plan. Yeah. As I, I kept looking at it and I was, I was pretty sure if I could find a way above them that I, that I could get above them and get a, get a good shot on them. But that meant taking the stock from a half hour stock to an hour and a half, at least stock. So, and that, that meant dropping a ton of elevation, climbing around some, I kept getting cliffed out. So I kept having to go lower and lower and lower on the mountain. And then finally I found an avalanche chute I could climb up and this avalanche chute I got in would bring me above the, the bucks and I'd have to climb over one small hill and I kind of just stuck with that plan. and So I'm videoing through my phone scope and just watching these bucks. And my heart is pounding. I, my, I have an adrenaline rush, adrenaline dump, adrenaline rush, adrenaline dump. It's freezing cold. I'm shaking. I don't even like, I can't control my anxiety watching this. I lose Mason for an hour. So I don't know where he is. Then I see him coming up over. I'm like, yes, he picked the high road. So like then everything was back to full pump, like full gear. I was like, he's going to kill him on the high route. And I'm watching him come in hopeless as can be. And I'm watching him do the stock. I'm like, these, 
literally the four by four he was stalking had his head down flat laying on the ground sleeping i was like this is going to be epic this is going to be he's going to be on these deer in range and it's going to be this is going to be a slam dunk and so i'm videoing this all through my phone scope which i have no quality to be doing <laughs> we're gonna see what justin could do with the yeah. footage yeah uh, it's not I'll, I'll piece it together it'll be good I'm shaky my heart rate was 187, which is the highest heart rate my watch has ever recorded in the whole time I've owned this watch. My heart rate has never hit this. And for five minutes of Mason's stock, my heart rate was above 180 beats a minute. I was looking through my binoculars. I couldn't even see anything. I'm like, this isn't working. <laughs> I don't even know what to do. There's, some, there's something to be said about watching someone's stock, too, because you get mega adrenaline rushes, and, and it seems like for no reason, but... You're helpless. Though. Yeah, you're you're helpless. You feel like you're excited because something's about to happen, but your nerves it can be blown, and there's nothing you can do about it, mm-hmm. and it just makes it pretty stressful. So Mason pops out just left of the deer, right of the deer, and I see him poking over. But where he's poking over, I think this four, this uh, two by two can see him. So I'm like taking my bow. I'm like, please look over here, doing the exact same thing he did, and I see him pull his glass up to me, and I see him slink back. I'm like, he got it, and he just detoured his route. I'm like, money done so then you can tell the rest of your stock because it was pretty sweet actually like you telling it better so, <laughs> i think it's more exciting from your perspective <laughs> so i'm fine mason slinks back a little bit and i see him heading over to the tip of this lookout and i see him getting close and i see when he finally sees the deer you see him drop down and then you see him kind of sneak back up range and i see him hit us with the binoculars and I see him. And at this point, I've only seen the one smaller two by two or three by three with yep. it. The, and the he, closest he, one. And he is the furthest one, actually. And he was bedded facing away. Oh, yeah. Sorry, the closest one to me. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so we're on opposite sides of the hill. Yep. So I, at this point, I, I took another half step, and I can see the top of the four by four's antlers, and he's looking right in my direction. So I drop, I drop back down, take a couple another steps. So when I do get an opportunity, I'm able to just stand up, pull back and shoot them. Mm-hmm. So one of the bucks stands up and busts him a little bit. Like gig was up, wind was switching on him already. Gig was up and the buck actually turns and is leaving. And the four by four is still bedded. And you just see Mason and I'm watching him with my binoculars and you just see Mason as slow as you can pull your bow back. I'm like, Oh, here it is. This is it. This is exactly what we're here for. And I'm fumbling around with phone scope, trying to watch binoculars. I'm like, I don't even know what's going on right now. So it was epic. And then he shoots them and just drills them 62 yards. Yeah, 62 yards. Just smoked them. And I I didn't even know if he hit them or not. Like it was, it's so hard to see or so hard to know what's going on. It's, it's, it was sweet. Yeah. And then you got the, the video of Mason going down where he finally, where the buck died as he went down over the hill and you see Mason throw his hands up in the air, like in celebration. And then within like 15 seconds, not even, not even, he's waving Michael down. Come on, come out. Yep. (laughs) I'm like, no. (laughs) So it was, it was such a cool backdrop. Yeah. And with with that, that bad, we had such bad weather. It's like tons of wind and weather, but as soon as I got close to the deer, it was, dead silence the worst stalking conditions you could ask for so Mm -hmm. my stealth i had to turn my stealth all the way up Mm -hmm. it went from pouring (laughs) down rain and the wind was howling through the basin and i'm sitting on one side of the basin mason 
a stock on the other, and the wind is howling through the basin. So it was just a perfect cover. It was everything you wanted on a stock. And Mason gets 50 yards from where he shot the deer, so 110 yards out. No more rain. No more wind. Yeah. Dead silent. I'm like, oh. But it it, it still worked. It out, still so. worked. So he pinwheeled them. And yeah, super cool. And it is the 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 basin I killed it in, and it could be a cover on any calendar. It's just absolutely gorgeous green basin, big Sweet. rock faces. Shot him in the cliffs, and he kind of ran down the hill and rolled out of them. It was it was beautiful. Yeah, and then that was at the time the same time he shot is when I was texting these guys that I was heading out and going to the ER. You were hiking out for that. Yeah. Well, I, I got your message as I was At packing camp. up camp yep. saying Mason killed a buck. And then that's when I sent you that I was going to the ER because I got the message. And uh, I said, Justin, I don't know what to do. Like, Mason shot a buck. And he's like, you're in a dilemma. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I was like, do I walk, like, to try to hike towards those guys? And, like, no, like, they're fine. They're going to pack it to camp tonight, and I'll come back and help them in the morning. So after I got to the ER, Justin, you tell what you did from there. Well, I'll back up to when you got the message. But I was like, we got to go down. And I was like, all right, that's cool. Let's, you know, get our stuff and head down. And like 30 seconds later, he's like, Mason killed a buck. And I was like, oh, that kind of changes things. He's like, yeah. And then I just kind of like looked at Bo for like a minute or two. And he's still just <laughs> white, just like trying to process everything. And finally, I was like, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to go to the hot? Like, what are you thinking? I still have to go down. I was like, all right, perfect. So, which was a smart, yeah, decision, absolutely. Yeah, as opposed to going to help decision. pack something out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so we hiked down. Um, we got to the ER probably around eleven, maybe yeah, eleven at night. Um, and then I didn't know if Bo was going to be there overnight, if they were going to let him out right away, or what you know what was going to happen. So I booked a hotel room in town. Um, and just kind of hung out there for like an hour and a half or so. Um, and then Bo texts me and he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm all good. I'm on my way back. You know, we met up at the hotel and then I was like, well, you know, if you're all good, here are the keys. I'm going to go help those guys pack down. So, so what, what time was this? I don't even remember. All I know is it had to be like one in the morning. It was like two o'clock in the morning. I yeah. got to the trailhead at two forty-five. Okay. Cause I texted you mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm here. I'll be up by sunrise. So this is a.m., 2.45 a.m. Yep. And we shot the buck the afternoon before. Uh, and Justin's like, I'm coming to help you guys. My inReach, for some reason, and this is something I just, I was getting messages from later in the chat before other messages. So I'm getting them in a reverse order. So I have no clue what's going on. So I'm trying to relay to Mason what's going on with Bo and ER and Justin come to help and change of plans. And I was so confused. I was like, we're going to hang tight because Mason and I were going to pack out early, early to go see Bo. And then I got a message. He was fine. He's getting released. Not fine, but he's getting released. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And Justin's like, I'm coming to help you guys pack out. So we're like, we'll hang out till Justin gets here. That way we know where he is and we're all together. And Justin was just a trooper again, pack, helping pack out like, yeah. all through the night, no sleep and sat underneath a big pine tree at the bottom of our valley on a rain fly for four hours waiting for us to come find him. Yeah, we we got back to our camp. I think it, it was like 1030 around there that yep. night. Hung the meat up. Uh, gave yourself, at least I gave myself a baby white bath. Tried to get into some drier clothes. <laughs> get, my sleep, get in my sleeping bag. And uh, I, w- I was concerned about something getting at, getting at my meat that night. And Michael's like, 
it, it'll be fine. We hung it up in the tree. I, I hung my, some of my hunting jackets around it just to have some center on the meat. And, uh, <laughs> and then that, that, that night <laughs> I, I hear something rustling and immediately I think it's, well, I, I've done this before to Michael, so I feel bad for him. <laughs> in, in New Mexico, we, we, we slept in the same tent the one night in New Mexico and something was poking me in the arm. And I, I thought Michael was on my other side. So I screamed bear and I threw a haymaker in the direction the bear was. And here it was Michael bumping up against Smoke me. <laughs> me. <laughs> I sleep. I get punched awake. I'm like, what in the hell is going? He's like, dude, you're on the wrong side of me. I, I, so so that, just, that's New Mexico. And then now, here we are in Colorado the night I killed my buck. And I'm thinking, like, I just keep having these thoughts in my head about a bear or coyote's going to get my meat. So I hear some rustling outside of my tent and I... I remember thinking, okay, Michael's tent is to the right of me about 15 feet or 10, 10 feet maybe. But here I rolled over in the night. So I was laying on my stomach instead of my back. So I got my sides mixed up again. <laughs> and I screamed, I started, I started screaming for uh, the bear coyote to get away from my meat. But here's just Michael rustling around in his, t- in his tent. <laughs> well, I'm like, I wake up Brandon, what's going on? He's like, oh shit, dude, I'm so sorry. I thought you were a bear. I'm like, again, here we go. Like, I'm yeah. freezing cold. I just fell asleep. So Michael's having flashbacks. <laughs> then we, then, then we, we wake up in the morning and then th- I think that's when we got the in-reach message from Justin. It's like, hey. I'm- that's when I got there. I texted yeah. you guys when I got there. I was right at sunrise. Like, Maybe, I don't even, I think it was like five o'clock maybe. I got the in-reach message from you at like 7.30. Okay. And I was like, that's waiting for a message. Up. I'm like, hmm. I wonder when Justin's, like we were up at sunup. And waiting for Justin, and I finally get his message. And I thought he was leaving his camp. I thought he, you guys were leaving Bo's camp at that time. So Mason, like, we'll go meet him. 20 minutes away, we'll go meet him. So we pack up, and we're going to head to those lakes. Remember yep, I showed yep, you? Yep. So we're going to head to the lakes, and we're just stumbling down through the woods. And I walk past Justin, don't even see him. Justin sees me and doesn't realize it's me. Yeah, I, I looked at Michael and he looked like some like high end grouse hunter. I don't know. I was why. a high end grouse. Hunter. <laughs> I just like he just didn't look the same. So I, was like, I don't know who that is. I saw, I saw Mason, so I whistled and got his attention. She's like, "Oh, there's Michael." And I was like, "Wait, that's Michael?" Yeah, yeah. Sure listen, enough, I was up there in Louis Vuitton. I didn't see you for three days. I didn't recognize you. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of funny trying to meet up like that. Out that I mean, it's pretty far away from where we parked, and we were able to find each other. And here, right. just Justin just not being able to get a hold of us or we're not answering them. And he just decided pulled to pulled up in a good spot. Yeah. He cuddled up in some pine trees. Yeah. Took I, a little I, I came up with nothing. Cause I was packing down. So I didn't want to bring my tent and all my shit. So I literally just laid out my rain fly for my pack and took a little nap on it. Honestly, we, we were pretty, we were pretty lucky. We found you because we almost walked right past you. That'd have been if, bad. If you would have taken my original route, we wouldn't even have went through the bottom. Yeah. We would have stayed skirting the top and just went to the lakes. And I was taking a nap and I literally just poked my head up and saw someone walking. So yeah, yeah. we almost missed each other, but. but hey, we found each other. So then he packed us out. Yeah. Anyway, Again, the moral of the story, Justin's a stud. He's pretty hardcore. He yeah. hiked in all the way through the night, no sleep and helped us. He carried most of our camp and Michael and I carried the meat and the, the head out. Yeah. Team effort, you know, if, yeah. if there's meat to pack and camps to move or bring back, like. No, that was know. a humongous help. Yeah. And I showed up with the truck after I got out of the hospital in the, in the <laughs> hotel. But you drove past us and even see us sitting well, there. Well, you guys were hiding up in the woods. It was funny. We're like, hey, there's Bo. We're waving at him. Bo. <laughs> Just drives <laughs> right by. Like, well, no, 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 you guys were right by the road at that point. Yeah, yeah we yeah. were sitting right on the we were, like, grassy it, hill. It was Bo. <laughs> we're like, oh. Oh, well. Well, and it was a it was a busy trailhead with a lot of hikers and bikers. Yep. So those guys were trying not to be like 
in your face about the, yeah, the, the hunting the, meat, the deer and the meat and stuff on the pack, but ended up getting them and going and meeting up with the taxidermist and dropping the head off and then taking everything in the meat processor. And, and, you know, here's the guy that's foggy brained said, I'm not allowed over 8,000 feet elevation <laughs> driving to the tax or driving to the meat processor, driving through passes at 11,000 feet, half yeah, well, there's there's a cu- couple hundred foot drop right off the berm of the road, no guardrail. No guard a couple hundred foot. Yeah. A thousand <laughs> foot. Yeah. And Bo's like dying. Not really, but dying. And Mason's like, why'd we let him drive? We're like, oh, who knows? <laughs> it's a truck. Yeah. I thought I was going to have to grab the steering wheel yeah. a few times. Oh, well, we were laughing. We made it. It's yeah. a big deal. Yeah, we made it and then got another hotel. So my third hotel of the trip. <laughs> Went down and stayed there for the night and we're good. And at that point, so the doctor had told me that I wasn't allowed over 8,000 feet elevation. First, he said that, like, my paperwork says not over allowed at 8,000 feet. And then I was like, well, I, I don't want to ruin my hunt. Like, it's the first day. He's like, well, if you can just sleep below 8,000 and slowly work your way up and see how you feel. He's like, you know what it feels like to be bad. So found literally the only area in the entire unit that we could hunt that was public land that was below 8,000 feet. And it was like seventy six hundred. Yeah, and it fucking yeah, we sucked. Were, we were still pushing it, <laughs> and yeah. it sucked. Oh, we hiked the entire next day after we had at this campground in I don't know eighty eight degree weather. Yeah, never saw anything. Well, the night before we glassed up that Mason glassed up that bear, and you glassed up that mule deer doe across. But we went to a burn that was older than we expected. So the oak brush was six or eight feet tall. Like you weren't able to even see a mule deer. And you probably couldn't even see an elk. I mean, the bear hit itself pretty good. Yeah, and, we, and we hiked nine miles that day, eight miles that yeah, day. Yeah. And never found anything. We, and then we, what really put the, put the nail in the coffin is we ran into a biker that had a hunting pack on. And oh, yeah, I was biking and we're like, hey, what's going on? He's like, oh, I'm scouting for rifle season. He's like, oh, there's no, there's no elk in here till way later, like when yeah. they move down. And we're like, all right, we got to get out and move. So. And we can trust him because he's already drove, rode his bike all the way through this area. He you was know, seven miles past. He yeah. was seven miles past us, if, and he was a local. And if he wasn't hunting where we were, there's no reason that we should be hunting where he where where we were, right? Yeah. You know, no. he didn't want to do all that extra effort just for shits and giggles. And it'd, no, been, it'd have been different, I think, if he'd have been hiking too, but he was on a bike. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, he kind of chuckled. Motor. He's like, Hey, I'm, I'm way back there. Like, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was glad he gave us that information. So we were like, all right, chalk it up. Let's hike out. And then we ended up driving to a whole nother area that was up higher again, <laughs> but uh, I wanted to test out and I wasn't doing well hiking. I mean, I was, we were walking flat land an hour before dark at 10,500 feet and I was struggling. Mm-hmm. Anytime I'd have any sort of incline, it could be up over a log and I couldn't catch my breath afterwards. I'm like, shit, I got to go back down again. So I go back down and said, Mason, Michael, I said, don't ruin the rest of your guys' hunt. Mason still had an elk tag. Michael had both mule deer and elk tag. So drove you guys back to the trailhead that where Mason killed his buck and you guys packed in. And I said, Justin and I are going to try another camp and how we found. So I talk a lot about hunt planning and having backup spots and we had a lot of backup spots, but at no point in my mind did I think I was going to have an elevation restriction. The, my lowest point, I looked the one night that was cold. I was laying in my tent looking. My lowest point of all my, all my hunt points was 10 to. 
Yeah. My lowest point was 10-2. So we had to start all over. So I'm I'm looking on uh, the Spartan Forge Outfitter map. So as they'll be coming out this week. But I'm looking on my phone. I'm looking through the maps, trying to find different areas. And basically took it. And they have like a ton of different elevation points on their maps when you have the hybrid layer, the topography layer. So I just looked at the unit, basically crossed out anything above 10,000 feet and was looking below found a spot we could camp around 9,000. And again, I know what to what I would feel like if I'm feeling bad. So I wasn't like putting myself in danger. I just knew if I was feeling bad, get out. And went in there and we, Justin and I were like, all right, we found a spot. And what, what's really cool about um, this, the Spartan Forge app is there's a bunch of different aerial views that you can pull up and we were able to find very detailed just changes between the dark timber areas and the pine trees and the aspens and so we found an area that had aspens it had dark timber for bedding it had a lot of good water sources it had meadows for food it had everything and actually is one of those areas that i like to elk hunt in that had road systems enough that it couldn't go deep enough to backpack but steep enough and I don't know how to put this. It was but super unique. Yeah, it was unique. And, and it, it was similar to like kind of like the way our Idaho spot was where you have a lot of lazier people that like to ride around on and allowed ATVs and stuff. So they just rode around on that, but they wouldn't hike up and down the mountains. And they were steep. Yeah. They were steep. And, I was looking at that map and that's steep. And, and Justin and I just tested it out. I'm like, let me see how I can hike. And I was doing good. I felt good. My lungs were doing good. My legs were good. I had my energy back. So this is now four days after the ER visit and hiked up around this mountain. And about, oh, I don't know, 10 o'clock in the morning, I heard two bugles or we heard two bugles and they were far off. Wasn't sure exactly where they came from, but I said, all right, we'll come back around. We'll look for fresh sign and then try to set up close to where we think that came from. And we really never found any fresh elk sign. We found some that was like maybe a week old. Yeah. Um, and we set up for the evening and nothing. So got down back down to camp, which we were in an epic truck camping spot. It was awesome. Um, and I'm sitting there eating dinner. And I just started hearing bugles lighting up across the road on this hillside, just one after another. Probably heard a dozen bugles. It's like, all right. That's where we're going in the morning. Pulled up the maps, planned our route to go up, and we started climbing. And Justin can uh, he can say this like it was freaking steep and it was full of oak brush at the bottom. And if you ever try to go through oak brush, it's nasty. We're climbing on all fours trying to go up there. I'm smashing my bow into stuff as we're going up. He's carrying <laughs> this giant heavy camera. I, I can't even complain. Justin's camera gear weighs more than all of our hunting gear. Mm-hmm. We're getting up, and Justin started feeling sick. He's coughing like crazy. Not altitude sick, though. No, just... No, like, just run down. Run down. Cold. Sick. It came over, like, four hours. Like, I was fine, you know, in the morning, and by the time we got up there, I was already sick. It was weird. And when when we started getting up there, he's talking to me, and he's like, man, I don't want to screw up your hunt. Like, should I leave? And I'm like, well, I really want you to film... You know, we were going back and forth. I said, how do you feel? And he's like, I feel good. I just have this cough I can't get rid of. And we were literally trying to make a decision whether he was going to go back to camp. And you were going to drop down. Like, our plan, yeah. you were going to leave, and I was going to hunt solo with a GoPro. And bugle lights off like 400 yards above us. And I'm like, all right, 
Come on, time. let's go. <laughs> well, I felt so bad because it was like that uncontrolled cough where it happens like once every two or three minutes and you just have to try to hide it. So I was like, my luck, we're actually going to get into something and I'm going to screw up, you know, and you already had a shortened trip because of the elevation. I was just like, make the call, you know, if I understand completely, because I don't want to be that person screwing up someone else's hunt, you know? But yeah, then literally during that conversation, we were taking a couple of photos and that one sounded off for us. Yeah. And we got up the hill on a pretty short amount of time. I was looking at the map and you could tell where he was. I dropped the pin and actually where I dropped the pin from the bugles the night before he was like in the exact same location. We get up there and it, and I'm like, All right, I'm not sure where they're at. So I did a couple soft cow calls, nothing. And I hit the bugle and he just slams off and he's like 60 or 70 he's yards close. away. Yeah. Real close. I get out my release to clip it on and my release won't work. I, I'm shooting the the knock on knock to it and it literally wouldn't close. And I'm like, my release freaking broke. So I'm digging through my pack to get out my spare release. I get that clipped on. I'm like, let's let's see what see what happens here. And and then it didn't take long. That bull kept bugling, but he was chuckling at the end. So I knew he had cows with him. And then we started hearing the cows. Yeah, we could hear. We could hear him mewing yeah. and. You can hear just you can branches hear breaking, breaking and all yeah. this stuff. Yep. And they start working their way up this valley. So I'm like, all right, we're not going to catch them. Like, I've tried this before. You're never <laughs> going to catch up to them. So I was like, let's let him go up to bed, see where he bed's at, and try to move close. Well, he never bugled when he went to bed. Like, he just, that was it. So we worked our way up the mountain a little bit and sat down and we're like, okay, last night they were in this exact spot. This morning they were in this spot. Let's play the odds game, be patient, and think that they're going to come back down the mountain to the same spot. And the sign was everywhere. That was the first, and granted, there was obviously elk there, but that area with the meadows and the benches and everything, that was the first, like, hot sign that we had seen where it's like they're obviously spending time here. Yep. You know? So we sat down for a long 10-hour drooling, just felt like I was in a tree stand type of deal. And how about, we're like, man, it looks like a good mule deer bedding area. We heard something behind me. And I'm like, I just grabbed my bow and I can't see. Justin turns his head and he's looking face to face with the mule deer doe. Yeah, just standing like 30 yards, just pinned us. Yeah. Was like, bow, don't move. And then it just ran. Yeah. Yeah. She, she blew and yeah. reminded me of whitetail woods there and took off. And we sat rest of the night, never heard another peep, nothing. Um, came down in the dark, down off that nasty. That was terrible. That climb was worse going down than going up. So right when it gets dark, Bo's like, this climb's going to be a lot quicker than he used to last night. And he kind of chuckles a little bit. That was hell. We went through like these rock slides. Oh, no, yeah. We got we went... cliffed out one time. We had to turn back and go down. Yeah, because I'm like, the cliffs are right here, but I think this is a pretty good shoot we can go down. Well, it, it wasn't was not <laughs> a good shoot. I'm sliding down and on my hands holding on to these bushes and trees that just had white powder all over yeah. us. We're covered in white powder and we're going down. We finally get down to the bottom. We still made it down pretty quick. That was his harvest spot. And yeah. w- what's that? <laughs> I said that was his harvest spot. Harvest spot? Just keep going, sorry. Okay. Well, um, so anyways, we get down to camp that night and cook up food and listen and no bugles, nothing. I'm like, well, let's try the same spot again. It's now our last morning. So I really only had three days to to be able to hunt. And this is now fast forward to this morning. And it moved up. We got up there well before it was light and was in position. Well, one thing, I did pick the wrong bench. Um, 
I was a little bit below where they would have been. We still would have heard them, though. I mean, oh, we were, we st- we were yeah. 80 yards off. But, right, right. Um, nothing, nothing. Worked our way up through and uh, ended up finding a Miriam's feather. And Miriam's turkey feather, 9,700 feet, which is crazy to me. And we just worked up higher and just so much sign. Yeah. Like, there was so much fresh elk sign and mule deer sign. Jumped another mule deer doe. I was bedded out on this point. And then got into where it looked like definitely the elk would be bedding because dark timber, blowdowns all over. The stuff I hate about elk hunting, going through all that stuff. And, um, yeah, we were just going through it and realized that was kind of the end of the trip. But for me, it was before I get into the last few days of those guys' hunt and let them tell it. When I realized I couldn't go back up and stuff, it was like, so demoralizing like something i've looked forward to this whole time but at the same time you can't just be like oh all right well that sucks guess we gotta quit just had to kind of adapt to it and we kept just saying that we gotta adapt you gotta make the best of it gotta make the best of it gotta adapt and kept trying to keep a positive light on that right and um it, it was cool so one thing i wanted to point out when we had that encounter one of the things that You'll see if you check out the, the Spartan Forge app on there is a thing where you can journal at your location. Like you basically drop a pin and there's a spot to write all the locations. It logs the weather. It logs all the information. So we put all that stuff there and to go, you know, going back, say you go there in two years, you can look at, all right, this date, this is what happened at this location. And it was pretty cool to be able to, to mark all of that. And um, anyways, we, after we did that and came out for the last time, went down and packed up camp to go meet these guys. And, um, but in the midst of all this, like I was just pumped to have that one bugling occasion. Cause sometimes, I mean, I've been out here where I've spent 14 days hunting elk and it's taken seven days to find elk and then maybe have one encounter like that where, in a three-day span, we had a pretty good for yeah. Colorado, and we didn't run into any other hunters. It was just an overlooked spot. It was too yeah. people were driving by. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's people driving by on ATVs, with bows on the back. Yep. You tell them they're hunters. For some reason, they always drive their four wheelers standing up, <laughs> like this, looking <laughs> everywhere as they're driving. And um, the turret. Yeah. Exactly. Turret. <laughs> so we came out and went to get these guys. So talk about your guys' last few days. So we hiked in there. I can't remember the date again there, but uh, it might have been a Monday. Uh, we hiked in after doing a long day with Bo. Uh, I got hiked in the next day, and I uh, went to uh, maybe three, four hundred yards past where Bo and Justin st- set their tents up. Just went through the the willows there and went up on the, the next hillside and got in there. Bo said he saw a, a deer. Um, the basins we were hunting were just absolutely just pounded by hunters. I mean, dozens of hunters. Well, maybe not dozens, but over 10 hunters in a basin and up on the ridge looking at the next basin. It was way too many people. So we're like, yeah, it's not really worth going back in there. Let's hunt these fronts a little bit. Let's hunt these little coves. Let's hunt these little yeah, hidden basins. A couple overlooks, at least what we thought were overlooked, overlooked mm-hmm. spots. So we get in there and, and we once again, started glassing up some bucks and we're like, here we go. So we glassed up a super cool three by three, just a giant, I mean, unreal white tail, but he had a white tail frame, but he was big. 
and he just everything about him was big. His body Did he was have big. Splits? Nope. Oh, he was just a just a straight frame white tail three that's by three. Cool. Really? Yep. Yep. Just G two, G three, and main beam. I mean, just straight down the line. Yep. Uh, eye guards, super, just heavy, very mature deer, and and my goal was a four by four. I really wanted four by four, not like I really cared, but. I saw this buck. I'm like, eh, that's going to work. That's going to be pretty good here. And then I saw a buck that looked identical. Amazing. He said identical to the white tail I killed this year. Just wide. And it laid out weird. And it just looked like, I'm like well, it looks like the white tail I killed this year. I was like, I could probably make that work. And then there's a hard horn 4x4 with him. There's six bucks all in one group. And we glassed them up. And, so we, we and, and we were pretty confident where they were. We were the only ones looking at these bucks. We said that multiple times. We're the only people that can see these deer. 100%. There's nobody else that can see these deer from where we were. And we found a couple more groups like that. And we found a lot of deer on those fronts. Mm-hmm. And we were glassing up 20 deer a day, if not more. We were glassing up a ton of deer. So they kind of hid in these little coves. And um, that first night, we didn't put any stocks on just because of timing and and stuff. Uh, well, that, it is big country where a stock you're looking at probably two hours minimum one way. Yeah. So it, it didn't make sense that evening. Mm-hmm. Buying the bucks, make a stock. Like Mason says it doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense because yeah. normally Mason's like, yeah, four miles, no big deal. We can get that done. Yeah, I'm usually a pusher when it comes to making something happen. <laughs> so we get uh, up early next morning, hike up to our spot, glass, and uh, didn't glass up the bucks right away. I'm like, shoot, where'd that three by three go? And Mason glass up a nice four by four, and like, okay, we'll watch that, we'll watch that bed. And, I spot the three by three coming around the corner with his five buddies. And when you see six deer together, you're like, yep, that's them. What are the chances? So we watch them come up and they, they bed behind this pier, a rock pier right near the top. Mason's like, all right, go ahead. Like literally just lets me out of the gate. And I was like, okay, that's a good spot. That's a long hike, but we'll get there. He goes, and, and where they bedded, the, the sun was... It was an east-facing base, and so the sun was just beating on them. Mm-hmm. And they, they found a rock that was shaped like a wedge up against the mountain. And they the, the bigger bucks bedded in this wedge. So the goal was, to, at least the plan we made up, was to come above them and shoot down off the top of the mountain into this wedge where they were bedded down. And right away, Michael's like, yeah, well, if, if I shoot way over them, I'll, I'll at least have a chance of a ricochet. <laughs> I'm hitting the bucks. I'm, I'm known. Like, I'm like, who, who, thinks, from the who, even, who even thinks about that? I'm known when I shoot. My heart rate gets 187 watching somebody shoot. You should see what it gets when I'm shooting. It's way high. Like, it's outrageous. So, I've shot a f- over a few backs in my life. And I was like, perfect. But this is, this is set rock. up to be like the stock. Like, mm-hmm. high, high percentage stock. I was pretty confident with Michael going in there. So, I do my three-hour hike in, like, down, up, over through a swamp, up a valley, cross a rock face, get I up in there. I can picture exactly where you're at, too. Yeah. Like, that's where yeah, we you were camp. There. So, I finally get up there. I'm sucking wind. I get up to the top, and I'm, I crawl out to the edge because I know where they're going to be. I glass. I'm like, shoot, they're 100. I click them 120 yards. already up feeding. I'm like, huh. Literally, I was late. But I didn't know how late, uh, how long it was. I make this stock. It's, it was a treacherous, grueling stock. I, I tracked it on my watch. My heart rate was never below 120, and my average was 132. So it was a hell of a workout for three hours. Yeah, and the, the whole time I'm watching, again, helpless. I don't know where Michael is. I'm watching these bucks, and then the 
the sun keeps coming up and the shadows are shifting. These bucks are getting a little shifty. And we had really bad weather that night and strong winds. So I think that they were probably hunkered down most of the night. And they were on their, all the bucks we were looking at, they were on their feet for most of the day, even even in the sun. Yeah. So these bucks get up and they start feeding up the hill, which is going to give Michael an even closer shot. So I'm I'm getting pretty pumped. I'm like, I'm like, come on, Michael, get there, get there. Come on, let's go. And the bucks are feeding up and they're getting to the point where the rock that Michael is supposed to pop out on, it's going to be like a white tail, Pennsylvania white tail tree stand shot, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like 20, like 25 feet below them. Take your pick, whatever buck you want. And it was shaping up to be that way. So I get up there and it wasn't obviously cause I didn't get one, but I get up there. I'm like, shoot. I'm like, that stinks. I couldn't see where Mason was. So I crawled around to the rock and I peek up, I sit there and I'm using the rock to shade me, but I could see the deer peeking around and I get up on a rock and I glass Mason. I see Mason looking. I'm like, and like we're both helpless because now the deer are 240 yards down the hill. I glass there like 237. Yeah, so if, if I was five minutes late. Yeah, if just a little bit quicker, you would have had your pick. So I come down and we had a backup deer. So I'm glassing the backup deer. First, I went over to the other basin. I saw I think it was nine hunters in the basin. I literally blew out. I had to have blown it out because the way I had to come in. I was like, man, this sucks for those guys. But I went right through the middle, right right up over the edge. <laughs> and I'm like, this is what I gotta do. <laughs> And a glass, all those, or a bunch of them. And then put my stock on, deer didn't shoot. So I went, looped around to the next base and looked in. And I saw four hunters sitting over there, a couple hunters sitting over there. I was like, there's a dozen hunters in this little, like, we were looking at two huge basins. I was like, this is so many people. This is ridiculous. So I I grabbed a quick bar, sat, had a cool overlook, ate a quick bar, um, sent a Snapchat out. I was like, yep, time to get back to it. Literally took a five-minute break. Came back down over, glassed up for our secondary deer. Couldn't find them. I'm like, shoot, where'd these secondary deer? Because I was just going to run around the top and was hoping to drop down. Secondary deer weren't there. So I looped back around, came around the front edge of the hill, and I'm glass. I'm like, okay, I know those deer are going downhill. Mason wanted me to come to this point. If I could get there and they feed down, I'll have a shot. If they don't feed down, I won't have a shot, but I can watch them. And I glass them. I find the three doe, they're sitting right in the middle where, like, literally right in the throat of what I need to climb up. I'm like, well, if I climb up that, they can't come this way. They're going to run to those deer and blow them out of the country. I still have another day. So, moral story, I came down. I uh, had a cow in range, cow elk in range. I uh, saw a, a cow or a calf moose at 40 yards, uh, two by two uh, mule deer. That was on the way in. I saw that. I could have had a pretty decent stock on that. I uh, just saw a ton of game down in this bottom. This bottom was just filled with sign. There's so much sign there. Finally get back up the hill to where Mason was and sm- I was smoked. It was a six-hour hike. My tank was on E. I was beat. We did 70-something miles in eight days. I was whooped. I got to Mason. I literally just barely made it to him. He had to come be dad and carry my pack the last, like, vertical incline. <laughs> was straight up, and I'm like... <laughs> help come help me <laughs> he's like no i'm like dude seriously come help me <laughs> so he carried my pack up to the top the last like stretch and i'll lay there i was just done he goes i have two more deer bedded you want to go do them i'm like no i'm done <laughs> i was like i'm smoked so that was the end of the stock and it was super cool i mean it was epic stocks and i, I couldn't complain it was what we wanted to do and it, we saw a ton of game and wh- when did you see the elk uh, this morning. No, well, no, that next day we saw a super mega bull, like mega bull, Bo's bull. You have to tell him the name. 
Oh, yeah. I missed yeah. that whole part of the story. Bullzerian. Yep. So Bo called his bull Bullzerian, and I was dying laughing. So Mason's like, there's elk over there, and I glass him up, get him on my spotter, and I just see this mega bull for Colorado, mega bull. Like, this is a good bull. I was like, holy smokes, Mason's like, I really don't know how to judge him. I'm like, dude, this is what it is. He's like, that's a serious bull. So we chit-chatted about it, ran into the woods, didn't think much of it. The next morning, we... Mason didn't bring his tripod up. He just was camp slugging. No tripod, freehand and binoculars. Four and a half miles away, we see these elk. I, I couldn't even see them, and I'm on a tripod. He's like, get your spotter up. They're elk for sure. Pull my spotter up. There's two herds of elk on two different levels just going crazy. And, and we're looking at four plus miles away. Yeah, four and a half miles away. And I'm full zoom on my spotter. I'm on these, and I see this elk again. And this elk was serious. I was like, that is a big elk, and it comes the whole way around. Anytime a cow got out of line, he swooped back around. Anytime one got too far ahead, he ran out ahead. He chased off a couple satellite bulls. We saw bulls running up over the top, down into the valley to be with them. I mean, this was a rot fest, elk fest. I mean, I couldn't put my spotter anywhere. It was anywhere. fun to watch. It was. It was epic. And I couldn't put my spotter anywhere and not pick up game. We had coyotes circling the top. I've been on one of my videos. A coyote just runs the rim. Below the coyote are two bucks, mule deer bucks. Below the mule deer bucks are just elk running crazy. I was like, how can this even possibly be happening all in one basin? And it was serious. That bull is... What'd you name that bull? Uh, Huey. Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner. <laughs> he, was, he had all the ladies. Yeah. He, was, he had them all. So that was Huey. He was running... He had quite the cows. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why I named the bull that that I named Bullzerian. Again, never got eyes on him, so I don't know exactly what size he was, but he was definitely a herd bull. He had all the cows with him. And um, I was like, Justin, what are we going to name this bull? And uh, I was trying to think because we had a name for Don Bolio out in Idaho. And yep. We were trying to come up with a name, and I was like, all right, so he's got all the women with him. He's got to have money. I was like, he's like Dan Bilzerian. I was like, he's Bilzerian. <laughs> and uh, we were just, him and I just all day, we just kept, as we're sitting there for 10 hours along the mountain, jokes of Bilzerian cracked up. And Bo texted me this on the inReach. I'm like, dude, he's a good poker player. You got to play your cards right. You can't just go all in. Like, I was yeah, like, we had a good laugh like, when he said Yeah, that. I was like, yeah. giving him like, like Dan Bilzerian, however you say his but name. For some reason, too, when you're on the mountain for days on end, and kind of stuff is kind of disconnected and a little bit miserable situations just with weather and stuff. The stupidest things you find so funny you can laugh at all day. Yeah. So it kind of keeps the morale up. It definitely keeps the morale yeah. up. Yeah. So he's very proud also, of himself for that name. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was practicing my uh my shots. I'm like, he comes this side, I'm gonna draw back and swivel this way, I'm gonna do it. And Justin's just looking at me like, holy cow. Yeah. I'm like, dude, pay attention. <laughs> yeah I, I do get a kick out of that because like these in reaches are very minimal they don't work that well as we found out yeah but it's just a cool little way to be like hey this is how we're doing yeah, they're You're not they're not meant miles to away. be like full-on text back mm. and forth like it's a like text a once message. or twice a day deal yeah but yeah. then they work great for that but when you're trying to full-on conversation sometimes they come in weird orders and everything else but they we got a chuckle out of it though it was super cool yeah. your bow's damn bullzerian or bullzerian i was like are you shitting me yeah <laughs> we were cracking up going you know t uh messaging back and forth there and and yeah i mean overall it was such a weird hunt compared to what we had going into it but that's 
that's hunting. You got to roll with the punches and kind of go with it. And that's whole time. There was like a 15 minute window where I was feeling super bad for myself. I'm like, well, this isn't going to do anything. You just got to try to find elk low. And then we went low and we're like, there hasn't, we been, go an elk, there hasn't <laughs> been an elk here since 1977. I'm not to figure something out. <laughs> the funniest thing was like, you were always just walking the line. I was like, what'd your doctor say again? And you were like, whatever, like 10,000 feet. 8, I'm like, what are we at? 8,000. Like, what are we at right now? 7850. Like, oh, perfect. perfect. We, should be, we should be good. Yeah. We're in. <laughs> then the next time, like, I got this campsite. It's about 9,000 feet. You're like, I thought you had to be below eight. I'm like, let's just see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be careful. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but that, that's it. it. It's, it's, they can say what they want. They can put what they want. It's 100%. These watches can tell you what they want. It's 100% how your body feels, how you're reacting to the situation. And you have to be cognizant of the decisions that you're making and don't push yourself. That's yeah, the moral of it. It does help having a good hunting partner that can, like, I kept telling, looking at Justin, be like, well, well, be honest. How do I look right now? I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, you look like shit. Yeah. Well, you're like, I know I feel bad. That answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, you know, so that helped like me make decisions based off of what he was saying. And I was like, just give it to me straight. Exactly what's going on. And like I said, I, I'd walk 30 feet and I couldn't walk any further and I have to sit down for 15 minutes. I'm like, this is a long hike. Justin's so, like, you look like shit, but about the same as every other time I see you. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So I was asking Justin and I'm like, Justin, relay me what you know and what you see. He goes, well, the hiking we've gone, he goes, I counted the steps and went 30 steps. I'm like, get them off. Yeah, I, I don't like, think you, I told you that either. No. I was like, you physically can't, like that is not a well-being Somebody in that good of shape should make it more than 30 yards. Yeah. That's I, just the way it is. I started counting steps just so I could see if you were getting worse as we were going higher. And you were. You started off like we'd take a break and you'd go like 70 steps, mm-hmm. take another one. And then when we got all the way to the top, you were only doing like 26, 30. And yeah, then that's that, when you were like, I'm not feeling down. good. Yeah. And then, that, then I, all of a sudden I'd get like a boost of energy. And I'm like, I can do this, Justin. I can do this. I, I just got to make it. I got to make it. And I kept trying to get bullheaded. And then eventually when I, my brain was just, I couldn't even cook my dinner. I'm like. It happened after every break. Yeah. Like I need a break. Then we'd stop for 15 minutes. Then you'd be like, I'm feeling solid. Then we'd walk 40 yards. And you'd be like, nope, got to sit down again. Yeah. But I, I remember even I told Bo this. In New Mexico, I was army crawling back to the tent because my legs literally didn't work. Like I couldn't hike any further. I'm like, I can't make it, but I got to. Like, what am I going to do? Sleep under this tree over here? I'm like, well, how do I get back? Like, my legs aren't working. Like, that's just a bullheaded nature, and that's not you, what no, you do. You, you and, do not do that. And I had to think, like, there's a lot more important things in my life than this hunt, and there's mm-hmm. going to be other hunts if I allow them to happen. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I just had to kind of bite the bullet there and realize that that it is what it is and uh i hope other people can learn from it and that's the important part of telling the story again not to be afraid is just to be able to recognize it and and pay attention to those things so the one thing i definitely have to take make a point of here is is our whole entire summer was planned around a high country hunt i mean that's what our whole summer was and it was get out and scout for two days before the season two days to acclimate two days before the season to scout so that takes four days off the front end of the hunt and then we're going to hunt for about nine to t- nine. I think it was nine days. We're actually going to yeah. hunt high country nine days. And we only hunted high country four days. But yeah. we still had an epic hunt. 
We just rolled with the punches. We said, shit, well, Mason killed him. Time to go low. And that's all right. That's what it was. It wasn't like, man, hey, this is, you know, it did stink. And it, it is it is hard. And there's times where you have to make these decisions. But this whole summer, all we wanted to do was a high country hunt. We hunted it for four days. Bo still got in bulls every day that he was down low. Well, except for the one. Yeah. we were. I still stalked on some awesome stalks. I still saw mule deer all four of the days. Mason still killed. You got plenty of footage. I mean, you just roll the punches and deal with what you got. It's it, You can't make something out of something that's not there. And if we would have tried to keep pushing in the high country for that, you know, we need to be there for nine, ten days because this is what we're here to do. First off, you would have been sick and in the hospital for good. Yeah. You wouldn't have got anything accomplished. And then him and I would have been sitting in the hospital too, and we would have got two days, one day. In the, we, I mean, we got one day hunting. Right. Instead, we adapted. We listened to how he was feeling. We let it happen. We let it play out. And I still got three days in the back end to hunt the high country. If we would have just said, screw this, and just made like, you know, some like, well, pity me conversation here, and we just quit, I would have got one day in the high country. And I'm saying this, me personally, but that's just, we would have had yeah. one day to hunt. So we still tripled the amount of time we and, spent up there. And Michael came and pulled me aside. He's like, listen, if you, you need to go home right now, like, we'll do that. You're not ruining my hunt in any way sort of thing. And I appreciated that. But for me, it's like, I can go sit somewhere down low, even if I physically can't do anything, let these guys have a hunt and I'm still in Colorado and I'm still not at work. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Well, that's a conversation I had. It's like, dude, if you're, if you can't do this and that vacation is hard to come by. Like, this is where we stand. This is what we feel. Don't fu- don't put yourself in a terrible situation just to please other people. Like, I know I've been in a situation, and sitting at elevation is not helping you. For me, it wasn't. So I'm, like, trying to have this. I had this conversation. Bo's like, I'm good at 8,000 feet. I know I'm good. I'm like, all right, good. As long as you can say that. We had one spot in our unit that was 8,000 feet. That was it. Literally one option. That was below the, the, the number. So you don't have a lot of options. He goes, I can stay here the rest of the hunt and I'm fine. That's like, that's all I need to hear. If you're good with that, I'm I just good kept with it. thinking like, there's gotta be one deer, one elk somewhere that I can find if I just keep, you know, getting after it and just keep going. And, and yeah, it's definitely a mindset thinks this freaking hard. Like it's not easy to want to want to do that. And, and there's, yeah, I don't know. But it it all ended up well. Um, the hunt was still good. Um, yeah, the outcome Mason killed that was awesome. He was one that definitely deserved it. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll just one out of three by, odds is not bad. By the time we start going home, we'll be planning next year's big. Well, you guys are going to South Dakota, which yeah, that's all I got to say to that. <laughs> YouTube saw what I did, but uh, not the audio version. So. Um, the video version of this podcast will be out on YouTube if Justin gets his ass in gear and gets it all edited beforehand. Yeah. No, I just joke around. You asked around. me about this, like, what, yesterday, if I could do it in time? Yeah. yeah. Yesterday. I appreciate that. On the car ride. No, we talked about it beforehand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I just give a shit. <laughs> no, no, but. but. Uh, saying that, like, this whole time we were out here, like, yes, Mason and I have a South Dakota hunt, but uh, all summer, South Dakota was never a talking point. Colorado was plan a like this is what we're this is what we needed to get ready for this is what we're hunting for and mason even said he goes man i kind of forgot we're coming back like the whole thing is colorado south dakota is going to be a super cool hunt. it's going to be super different it's going to be like a laid back hunt like all gears were towards this hunt like this is what we were in for and uh it 
I mean, this is what we put our effort into. So when we got when we got a little bit of a curveball, we we scrambled. Yeah, yeah, that's for and, sure. And the last thing that I will say on this for anybody that's listening or watching is have those contingencies in place. Have backup plans. No matter how much time. In all of our first aid kits, I had printed out emergency numbers when I needed to find an ER. I've literally pulled out a list from my kit and was like, here's the address I need to go to. You know, this is how oh, we need really to do good that. Point. And had everything listed out in point. So then when things fall apart, you're not scrambling because you have a plan on what to do and you just got to execute it. We so, had Google Docs. Yeah. And we had all had our own part that we had to fill in. And our Google Docs had butcher, taxidermist, emergency room, urgent care, hotels, gas stations, like points. everything. And this is everything that was done beforehand. So there's no questioning, no concern. You don't have Google to look it up. It's on a piece of paper, eight by 12. It's printed out. It's there. It's done. Yep. And that's very helpful. Yep, definitely. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this. And, uh, Congratulations to Mason on his buck, Michael on some epic stocks, and I survived uh, another day. Now I'm looking forward to getting to a tree for a while and come back for bulls ear in another five years. (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.